Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Record Rangers podcast with me, Johnny McFarlane, and my colleague, Scott McDermott. On the pod today, we talk about Rangers' trip to Florida with our man and buried with the team. Yes, Scott is there, enjoying the sunshine as I brave the sub-zero temperatures here in Scotland. Scott, literally this morning, I went to open my car door and it was frozen shut. What's life like in Florida in comparison? What's the weather like? Uh, well, I've had loads of texts, Johnny, for family and friends, as you can imagine, um, telling me or keen to tell me just how how cold it is back in Glasgow. Um, so I've been getting that, getting some uh, getting some pelters for that, but no, it's very nice over here. Not uh, no, not overly warm, um, but just really nice up to like twenty. Can I? 23, 24 degrees. Taps half weather for a Scotsman then. Oh, definitely. Ah, I mean, that's... God, it could be it could be 10 degrees less and I'd, I'd still have a pair of shorts on, do you know what I mean? So, after going through the, the Christmas and New Year period in Glasgow, so, no, it's a, uh, it's a nice, wee, nice wee change. I'm very, very grateful to be here uh, uh, covering, covering Rangers in this, this Florida Cup. Is it a case that the journalists are very much embedded? What's the overall situation for the the whole trip with you guys out there. We weren't we weren't on this occasion, Johnny, um sometimes that does happen, but on this occasion we flew out the same day. The Rangers were going from Edinburgh um through a kind of different different route. We flew to the journalists flew down to Gatwick and then got a, a flight for Gatwick to, to Orlando. Um first class I assume, lovely comfy seats where you can kick back and relax and put your feet up with a beer. Uh, I wish. No, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't that great. Um and we also had a wee bit of work to do in the plane, but of course the day we flew out, um we were kinda immersed in the the Jamie Murphy, no Willie, Willie won't he sign saga, um, which which caused us a wee bit of a wee bit of alarm sitting at Gatwick Airport because we like everybody else assumed that uh, Jamie Murphy would be on that Rangers flight from Edinburgh, um, and we got word pretty early on on Saturday morning that he wasn't. So that caused us a wee bit of panic and gave us a wee bit more a wee bit more work to do than we probably probably would have liked. And even even after arriving in America. Um, no word kind of got back to is that the Murphy deal still hadn't gone through and it was obviously it was very late on Saturday night uh, when we finally got word that he'd signed and it was a loan deal until the end of the season so the stress levels as I say were probably a bit higher a bit higher than we'd have hoped um, but no we got, got here okay um, we're staying a wee bit away from where Rangers are staying they're staying at a, a magnificent um, training complex uh, IMG Training complex, um, but we drove uh, drove through there today. Um, seen Graham Murty and, and some of the players, and uh, everything seems to be going going pretty well for them. Obviously, Jamie Murphy's there, Sean Goss is there, the other new signing, and uh, Jimmy Nichols there as well. Obviously, so 
Um, we're now just kind of building up to the, the first game on, on Thursday in the, the tournament, which is against Atletico Minero, which I'm sure will be a, a decent test for, for Rangers. You mentioned the training complex there, Scott. Is that a fully func- functioning complex where they stay over and, you know, everything happens in the one place? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fantastic. I mean, we, we spoke to a couple of the players today and obviously they're used to uh, they're used to Murray Park um, back, back in Glasgow, which is a not a brilliant facility in itself, but this uh, this IMG complex even kind of blows that out the water. Um, so obviously it's used for college teams, uh, college athletes, knowing all different uh, different American sports. But uh, a couple of the players were raving about the place today. Um, one of the one of the boys was saying they couldn't believe the the changing rooms. They they went and had a look in the the changing rooms for the college American football team who are based there, and he said it was just it was frightening. Though above above every locker, um, not only was the dressing room itself magnificent, but above every locker, you know, each player had an iPad attached to the to the locker, and that iPad had their player profile, performance data, diet sheets. I mean everything. This is for a college a college American football team. So. No, the player. I think it's fair to say the players are really, really impre- impressed with the facilities. They're really happy uh, with where they are in terms of in terms of pitches and stuff. And um, obviously, they've got full use of the the facilities. That'll be their kind of base base for the week. So, um, in terms of you no know, somewhere to go for the winter break, I don't I don't think the players could have asked for much more. How does Murty go about uh, getting the players acclimatised, Scott? There's obviously a five-hour time difference different weather is that something you've touched on with uh, the manager no, not particularly Johnny but I mean I don't think it'll be too difficult in the sense that Rangers they kind of got here pretty pretty late at night um, I think they would have I think they'd have probably tried to, to stay up as long as they as long as they possibly could but I don't think there was ever any plans to get the players into training right away I think the, the following morning which would have been Sunday morning um, as far as I'm aware, the players just did a kind of a walk around the complex and maybe did uh, did something very light. But um, as I say, there's a five-hour time difference. It does take a wee bit of getting used to. But you know, these players, <coughs> excuse me, these players will have been in been in lots of these trips before, maybe even international trips. But it's you know, it takes a wee bit of time to get used to different surroundings, different time difference. So I think, um, as I say, I think it was probably a kind of slow start. Kind of bedding them in, getting to know their surroundings, um, taking it easy for the first first day or two. But I'm sure, um, and I know the players trained today. Um, there didn't seem to be too many too many issues. They seemed all very very happy along with Graham Murty. So no, I think they'll be I think they'll be really really into it by now. What's the area like, Scott? Is there plenty of things to do for the players in their downtime? Obviously, uh, nice place to go, Florida. I'm not sure. I mean, as I say, they, they're in a different, uh, different place to us. They're, they're through in uh, Tampa. Um, oh, yeah. we, we, we drove through there for Orlando the day, so it was kind of difficult. Uh, I, I've not been to America that that often myself, but I mean, it, it is kind of. You no, know, the, the drive was fairly kind of stereotypical. When we got to the, got to uh, close to Rangers Complex. No, there was places around, you no, know, like shopping malls and, and stuff like that. Um, which I'm sure if the players do get any downtime or, or days off. They'll be able to go and uh, go and have a stroll and, and kind of uh, do what they want in their, in their free time. But no, I mean the, the complex is very. I mean it's huge, um, and it and it has got you know, every facility you could imagine. So um, I think the players will just be really happy to be based there and get down to 
get down to proper some proper work. And we need to remember Graham Murty, as we know, has just been appointed you no know, permanent Rangers manager, albeit until the end of the season. But he'll he'll surely look in this trip as a real opportunity to get all the players together. I know that he knows them all and we know that he's had stints in charge uh, temporarily before. But he's the he's the proper Rangers manager now. We want to get all these players together. Um, obviously, you no know, integrate Jimmy Nicol into the into the setup as well. And I think he'll really use this week, you no, know, as a real kind of close knit, getting the new boys uh, settled in and really trying to, you no, know, trying to stamp his 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 authority in terms of his ideas and how he sees Rangers moving forward in the next six months and beyond. Um, and the fact that they're so far away, no, <coughs> they're together without any hassle apart from us, us bothering them for, for, for some interviews. But um, I think he'll, he'll look in this, as, as I say, as a chance to get them really, get them really close and get them working you know, to his kind of uh, the ways that he wants to uh, to go kind of move, moving forward for the rest of the season. Um, and I think it's an ideal, it's ideal surroundings and an ideal trip for them. I wanted to touch on Jimmy Nichols' appointment as a de- assistant manager, Scott. Um, obviously, he wouldn't have been probably the first name out of the hat for that job for many Rangers fans. It's a bit of a surprise appointment. But when you look at it in detail, he does have great experience of Scottish football under Jimmy Calderwood at Aberdeen as manager of Wraith Rovers in his own right. What's your overall take on that Position and do you think Murty's done a good job in attracting Jimmy Nicol? And do you think he'll be someone that can really impart a lot of experience to that role? Well, first of all, I think he'll settle in no problem. I mean, anyone that knows Jimmy Nicol knows the type of character he is. Um, he'll settle in no problem. He'll make a real impression early on. I think um, he's got a great personality, Jimmy. Great kind of people's person. So I'm sure he'll get on with the players and the coaching staff right for the off. In terms of the actual appointment, you need to remember Graham Murty is looking for a guy, or he needed to look for a guy with experience because he he's barely in the job. I mean, Graham Murty, as we know, is an under twenties coach before before being made permanent Rangers manager. So it's a huge a huge step for him. Still very inexperienced, and even the the, the two guys he's got beside him, no Jonathan Johansson, um, is a well respected coach, but again. Previous job was as an under twenties coach at Motherwell, which was a big step under Pedro Cachinha. Things didn't go to plan. No, I'm sure uh, Jonathan will have learned for that. But again, he's still an inexperienced coach. And even going further down, they've got the the goalie coaches, uh, uh, Jim Stewart's son. Obviously, Jim Stewart left for for Nottingham Forest when uh, when Mark Warburton went down there. So talk about three guys, very young, very new. Um, to this to this job, you no, know, it's such a massive massive club. So Graham Murty was clearly looking for a guy with experience, and even though he didn't know Jimmy Nicol that well and hadn't worked with him before, his name was obviously put to him. And I think Graham Murty thought this guy ticks a lot of the boxes. Not only does he have you no know, a lot of experience, when he's six, 61 years old. Jimmy Nicol's kind of been there, seen it, done it, but. There's the added bonus of he knows Rangers, he knows the club, no, he knows what it takes to be a to be a Rangers player. So I think Graham Murty's weighed it up. I mean, when you think about it, if he's looking for an experienced coach, um, an experienced coach who was available and who knows Rangers, no, there weren't too many candidates. And you're right, I don't think many people would thought of Jimmy Nicol 
But when you do think about it, he probably ticks a lot of the a lot of the boxes, and I think I think he'll do the job that Graham Murty uh, wants him to wants him to do in there. A fresh set of eyes, real experience, a real character in the dressing room. Um, and I, I only see it as a, as a positive for Rangers. Murty was talking about having somebody who is calm and who can calm him down. Essentially, for me, what he was saying was he's wanted somebody with experience, somebody who's seen it, somebody who's done it, who can come in there and, and, and add that because obviously Murty's an experience uh, is definite. Is that what you think you'll bring to the party? I think so. I mean, I, I don't know for certain, but I, I, I would imagine... Jimmy Nicol having been through you no know, what he's done in his his career that you know, maybe if Graham Murty you no know, Graham Murty's inexperienced did get the better of him you no know, at half time or post match and maybe you no know, maybe he did fly off the handle or you no know, do something uh, quite kinda you no know, no that he'd maybe maybe regret afterwards. I, I can see Jimmy Nicol being the guy who can maybe see that, see that it's maybe not the right thing to do at that particular time. And maybe just maybe just step in or you no know, speak to Graham Murty on his own and say, listen, you no, know, maybe think about how you you no know, how you handled that, and maybe do it differently next time. So, as you say, he, he's he's seen it all, Jimmy Nicol, you know, as a player and as a and as a coach, pretty much culminating and going to the going to the Euros with Northern Ireland and and Mike O'Neill, which must have been, you no, know, his at the stage he was at in his career must have been an incredible experience, and he, and even at his age he must have learnt. A lot for that, you no know, working with Michael and uh, and Austin McPhee. So, but he's also the type of guy John Endy knows him. I'll tell him I'll try to calm him down. He's the type of guy that maybe if things were getting volatile in a, in a dressing room or were getting a bit heated, Jimmy Nicol strikes as the guy who'd maybe just come in with a with a wisecrack and just just totally you no know, kill it and just you no know, bring it back down to bring it back down to a level again. You no, know, he's got that and he's. He's got that in his locker, obviously. So, for a whole number of reasons, I think you no know, Graham Murty and Rangers, for what they were looking for in a coach and as a kind of number two to an inexperienced guy like Murty, they couldn't have uh, they, they couldn't have really have picked a better a better candidate. I don't think. In terms of the games, Scott, we've got Atletico Mineiro uh, and Corinthians Thursday and Saturday. There's been some chat about. Uh, Monero playing just young players because they've got a big game in Brazil. What is it that Rangers see that they're going to get from this Florida Cup? Is it a commercial element or is there a sense of getting the team away for bonding or is it more about these two individual games? What's your take? Um, listen, there'll be a bit of com- there'll be a, a commercial element to it. Rangers are obviously invited over here um, for the Florida Cup. There's a lot of big sponsors, there's a lot of big clubs, no. Uh, clubs at PSV Eindhoven that are, are here as well, so <coughs> there's, a, there's a commercial element to it, but listen, I think for Graham Murty, the games themselves won't be that important, I don't think it'll bother him, for instance, if Atletico Mineiro are, are playing a lot of young young kids, or maybe a second string, I mean, when we spoke to Graham Murty uh, even before the Old Firm game about the, the Florida Cup and asking him what his kind of aims were, yeah. I mean, it, it it was very much a case of he was going to try and kind of um, manage the two games, and that he wanted to get a lot of uh, a lot of players on the flight first. He wanted to have enough players to almost kind of cover the two the two games. I don't think he wants to start burning players out uh, in in January ahead of the the second half of the season. So I think he'll he'll kind of look at he'll try and use the whole squad over the two games. He'll try and spread it out a bit. 
I'd imagine both games will maybe be a mixture of experienced and young and young boys. Um, and I think the main aim or the main motivation, as you say, for Murty will be he's got to use the two games surely to try out different different systems, different formations. Um, no, look at different players. Maybe look at a couple of young players, especially obviously trying to integrate the two, the two new boys in Murphy and Goss. Um, so we'll get a, we'll get a chance to see them, to see them kind of early on and what, what they're going to offer. But I think that has to be the key. I don't think the opposition matters that much. I don't think winning will matter that much. I think for Murty. Use the whole week to try and you know, really build build something in terms of spirit and togetherness. And in terms of the games, I think he'll want to look at different He's already used different systems this season, as we know, different formations. I think he'll want to look at one or two others, maybe try players in different positions. He's obviously got boys coming back, Andy Halliday and Michael O'Halloran. He'll want to have a, a close look at them again. In terms of Andy, in terms of both of them, actually, you might want to look at them in different positions because in terms of Andy Halliday, there's a lot of competition now in the middle of the park. So is he going to be one of the central midfielders or is Halliday maybe going to offer cover at left back, at left midfield? He's got a couple of options there. And as for O'Halloran, he's not got too many positions he can play, but certainly there's a, there's a feeling among Rangers fans that O'Halloran wasn't uh, wasn't deployed enough as a central striker to see what he could offer, um, especially when you were kind of playing in the the counter attack. He, he always seemed to be shifted out to the to the wing um, when he played with Rangers before. So you might find that O'Halloran gets a shot of playing playing right up front. Um, so I think I think he'll use the games for for wee things like that. Just try things out. And hopefully that will that will help him get into the second half of the season. Just touching on the Jamie Murphy signing, Scott. You talked about him giving you a bit of jip on your way out there. What do you make of the signing overall? I mean, big money if it if it goes through at the end of the season as expected. I think it's a a very good signing, Johnny. I mean, I know it's a loan deal just now, but uh, I know Jamie Murphy and Rangers you know, are a hundred percent convinced that they're treating it pretty much as a as a permanent transfer. I think it's a a guaranteed buy option at the end of the at the end of the season. Do you have any insight as to why that is, Scott? Because that is there's no doubt that's caused a lot of consternation on social media, admittedly from mostly rival fans. But what, why is the deal structured that way? I'm not sure. I mean, the, the, certainly all the the kind of feedback we were getting that no, the deal the deal seemed to be going through pretty seamlessly, and Rangers. Rangers and Brighton initially seemed happy with, with the terms and the and the fee. But I think it was late on Friday night. Um, no, Brighton, no, changed the changed the goalpost for for want of a better expression. Now, I don't know why that was, or I don't know how they changed it. But no, they went from seeing it pretty much as a permanent transfer to 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 change their minds and wanting it to be to be a loan deal at the end of the season. I'm not sure why why that is, especially if it is a guaranteed a guaranteed buy anyway. I know what you're saying, listeners, loads of social media chat about, no, it was Brighton, they, they didn't know if Rangers had the money, um, no, they wanted to see money up front, who knows, no, maybe that maybe there was a, maybe there was a fear for Brighton, I, I don't know, maybe they wanted to, no, they wanted to kind of see how it goes first, and then, and then they'll deal with it at the end of the season, I'm not sure, but certainly Jamie Murphy sees it as a permanent, uh, a permanent transfer, 
Rangers pretty much see it as, as the same. And I think for the money that's been talked about, if Rangers do pull it off, um, I think to get a guy from a, a Premier League club at his age, I mean, you're talking, I mean, Jamie Murphy, I think I'm right in saying played in Brighton's first game in the, in the Premier League. I think he might have come off the bench really, really early, but he played most of the, their opening game in the Premier League. He was part of Chris Hutton's plans. He was outstanding in the Championship in their promotion season last year. But, no, the way it is in the Premier League, Brighton go and spend, go and break their, their transfer record, pay £13.5 for uh, a left winger and, and Jose Esquerdo from, from Club Bruges. And suddenly, Murphy kind of finds himself out of the picture. No, that, that, that's what happens when, when clubs get promoted to the Premier League and get you no know, get that huge chunk of, of TV money. They can go and they can go and spend that kind of that kind of cash uh, on on players, particularly from abroad. So he found himself out of the picture. But the fact that Rangers showed an interest, and the fact that Murphy is a big a big Rangers fan, that obviously helped because I'm sure there'd have been other clubs interested, certainly in the Championship in England. So I think for what you're getting uh, at his age, and for the the money that's been talked about. No, he'll need to prove it on the pitch, obviously, like every like every new signing. But it strikes me as a as a great bit of business for Rangers, an excellent signing at this stage in the season. He falls in that left wing, left midfield position that's been a problem for Rangers all season. We've discussed it often. I mean, Josh Windass is a player that's coming and done well at times, but overall, I think it's developed over the course of the season. He's not really naturally comfortable in that position. So you've got a player here that can come in and he's very quick, he's got a good cross, he can find a player, he's versatile, he can make a difference. Without a doubt, he'll slot straight in there. Johnny, you're right, I mean, the left wing position has been a problem for Rangers all season. No, when you think back to right at the start of the season, progress, need a corn game, and you know, the fans turn up at that game, see their new number seven, you know, Dalcio on loan from Benfica, and think, right, no, Pedro Cassini spotted the guy. It's going to be going to be our new left winger, um, and we all know how that how that ended up. Um, so it's been a major problem for them this season. You're right. Windass has tried to fill in. I thought even in the Old Firm game when Rangers played really well and probably should have won the game, Windass was one of the, the, the kind of poorest performers on the day, and it was cause because again he was stuck to that stuck to that left wing role, which just isn't. I don't think it's natural to him. So I expect Jamie Murphy to slot slot right in there. I agree with everything you say. He knows the position inside out. Graft, he's willing to go back the way as well as as well as going forward. And he's got a real eye for goal. Uh, he can cut in on his right foot or he can go down the outside. He's proved that with Brighton and, and Sheffield United. And the thing the thing that I like about it from Rangers' point of view in terms of going and getting them is that I think Graham Murty spoke about it. No, Graham Murty's never signed up a player before, so this is his first transfer window where he's actually having to sign players. I quite like the way he's went about going and getting Murphy in the, in the sense that he's pinpointed that left-wing position as a real problem area. He's obviously looked at different different options and decided you know, that Murphy is the best one and he's, he, he's went and got him. I mean, I don't think Rangers... As I say, for that kind of money, um, I don't know where you could go and get someone better, better qualified to slot slot straight in there. What about what about Jamie Walker, Scott? We've discussed him several times in the podcast. Now he's signed for Wigan 
yesterday, obviously. So, is Jamie Murphy someone who would be better placed? For me, he's certainly less of a gamble because he's played at a higher level for longer down south. He's achieved at the championship level and he's played in the Premiership. So, to me, that sets him above and puts him above Walker. Yeah, I, th- I think Jamie Walker's still someone that Rangers should have looked to bring in. I mean, I, I think, you no, know, seeing Jamie Walker go to Wigan, um, with all due respect to Wigan, I mean, a club nowhere near the size of Rangers for um, for 300 grand, I actually think it's a big loss to Rangers because clearly the player uh, in the summer was keen on going to Ibrox. No, we all know that, that, that a deal was, was close and Rangers and Hearts just couldn't couldn't get it over the line in terms of a in terms of a fee. Um, I agree that that Murphy's a more established player because you know, Murphy's been down in England for five years now. He's played League One Championship, gets a move to Brighton, helped as a key player for them getting a promotion to the Premier League, and then obviously you know, plays a couple of games in the Premier League. So he is more established. Um, he's, he's also more suited to the left wing role than Jamie Walker, who can play there. But I think. No, Jamie Walker offers something a wee bit different, and you no, know, in most of Jamie Walker's games for Hearts uh, recently, he's played in that kind of number ten role where, where yeah. Craig Levine's given him a bit of license to, bit of license to roam. And I think Walker's more like that. He can drift over to the right, the left, go through the middle, play off a striker. Um, Murphy is more, uh, is much more of a of a left winger, you no, know, your stereotypical left winger. Um, so in that position, and as we say, just priority was so. You no, know, getting Murphy was probably more important than getting Walker because they had to get somebody, somebody to go straight into that left wing role and, and stay there. But I still think uh, I still think Rangers might, you no, know, might regret no, uh, no getting Walker, especially for for that kind of fee. Has there been any word on the new signing Sean Goss and how he's settling into things? We spoke to him briefly today, and he seems to be seems to be settling in settling in really well. Uh, I mean, I didn't know too much about him, like most like most people when he when he signed. But he's got a good pedigree. He obviously started. He didn't start at Man United, but he got a move there from from Exeter when he was when he was young. So, listen, you know, any young player's going to have a great a great grounding when they're coming through that that system at Manchester United. And I think it's been it's been mentioned before that. I think the boy showed you no know, a bit of a bit of character and showed what he's all about by basically going to Man United at the time. You no, know, despite having gone away in, in pre season with their first team at one point, um, and we picked up an injury after that. But when he when he knew that he wasn't going to he wasn't going to break in to that first team, rather than sit there, you know, for a couple of years and see out his contract, he went to Man United and said, "Look, I want out to go and go and play games." Um, because he felt he was good enough. He's went to QPR. It hasn't worked out for him. I must admit that to me is the is the one doubt I would have about him is why you no know, why it hasn't worked uh, worked for him at, at QPR because well, QPR are toiling a bit in the in the championship this season. Um, Ian Holloway has given has actually given a few young boys a chance down there. I mean, I, I, I saw highlights of. QPR's game last week when the young Northern Irish boy that they'd signed from from Linfield I think was given a debut and he came on and came on and scored. So in their position, you no know, looking at it from the outside, I'm wondering why why is Sean Goss not played 
uh, not played more. Perhaps it's the physicality of that league. Obviously, it's a uh, hurly burly. If you've got a player from Manchester United who likes to play good quality football, it's maybe not the easiest place to break into. I noticed Murty was talking about uh, Goss and how he'll come into his own at Ibrox and in games where they need to break down teams. Murty was saying that Rangers have been pretty good when teams have come at Rangers. Uh, so you'd be talking about the Celtic game, the Hibs game, the Aberdeen game. But when it came to Rangers trying to break down other teams, they've struggled and, and Goss would be a player that would look to dictate play and create things and break the lines and keep uh, possession circulating. A bit like... Gideon Zalalem, it sounded like. I, th- I think so, but until you're saying about the physicality, I mean, having seen him close up today, I mean, he's a big boy. He's, I don't think he'll have any, have any problems in the championship looking after himself, but you, you, I know what you're saying. He does, I know he's been, uh, I know he's been compared to him already, but he does have that kind of Michael Carrick look about him, you know, the kind of tall, uh, kind of gangly <laughs> almost. Yeah, and clearly that's what his game's all about, sitting in front of the back four, taking the ball off centre-backs and building the play. And I agree with you, there's been a lot of Rangers games this season um, at Ibrox when Rangers need to be the dominant team. They've got a lot of the ball. They need to build attacks. They need to be patient to try and break teams down. And Rangers have struggled in that regard. Um, But what's interesting for me is that Murty, we're talking about pinpointing positions, I didn't see Murty pinpointing a defensive midfielder for, for Rangers, especially when you know, they've got Ryan Jack in there, they've got uh, young Ross McCrory, who's kind of came to the fore. Obviously, Graham Dorans is injured, Jordan Rosser injured, you know, who knows when when and, or if he'll, he'll come back. But he's clearly, Murty has clearly uh, seen that role that you're talking about, sitting in front of the back four, as an area, again, where he wanted to, where he wanted to strengthen. And it'll just be interesting to see how he sees that midfield forming now for the for the second half of the season. Um, in my own mind, is it, you know, I'm thinking, does he see, you know, maybe sit, Rangers maybe using two holding midfield players and, and Jack and Goss, which might allow Dorans once he gets back fit to you no know, to go forward more, which is something we've spoke about in the in the past, or is it the you no know, the diamond formation where he, he wants you no know, he wants Goss to be the you know, at the back of that diamond, um, kind of orchestrating things with, with Ryan Jack and others further forward. Who knows? But he's clearly, you know, as we say, he's pinpointed that position and he's went and got this guy. He's got a good pedigree. I'm sure he's a good player, but as I say, my, my one doubt is just, well, why why is he not played more at QPR? But hopefully, as I say, we'll get a look at him and we'll get a look at him on Thursday night and uh, you know, I can make a more informed judgment on him. Talking of the midfield, it'd be remiss not to mention Carlos Pena. I don't know if you've seen the the video today, but he was on on his way into Cruz Azul, uh, and and bizarrely was wiping his nose with a pair of Rangers shorts. Uh, it kind of summed up his spell at Ibrox, really, just from the the bizarre to the ridiculous. How do you assess Pena's time at the club? Yeah, listen, you, you know my. Thoughts on, on Carlos Pena. I mean, I think, I think in years to come he'll probably go down as one of the worst, one of the worst Rangers signings uh, of all time, um, for what he for what he contributed. Um, it, it, it actually it surprises me. I, see, I, I do see still a lot of Rangers fans on social media, in particular, who even at this stage are, are still 
you know, still believing that you no know, Pena might have, might have did a job for them at, at some stage. I'm sorry, but I mean, I just I haven't seen it from day one with yeah. Pena, and I know I know he scored you know, what is it five goals from like twelve starts or whatever, which which on paper looks like a decent record. But in my eyes, the guy is nowhere near good enough uh, for Rangers for you no know, to to perform in the Scottish Premiership. Uh, I no, I don't think his passing was good enough. I don't think his control was good enough. I don't think he looked interested for the majority of the time. Some of his performances, you no, know, the ones that stick out, the League Cup semi final at Hamden against Motherwell when he was no, uh, he was non-existent. Uh, a game at Ibrooks, which we spoke about, home to Ross County when he got took off after half time. He had barely touched, barely touched the ball, and just didn't didn't look interested at all. I think, for, I think for Rangers to get him off the books, Johnny in January, which you no, know, initially I thought might be a might be a tough job for Graham Murphy to get him get him out so quick. I know it's only a loan deal. You no, know, we're led to believe that that Cruz Azul are paying paying all his wages, which is another bonus for for Rangers, but. I think just to get him out the door and get him off the get him off the wage bill is uh, is a great great bit of business for Rangers, especially when in return you're bringing guys like guys like Murphy in. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things about Carlos Pena is a lot of people look at the stats, which are obviously quite prevalent nowadays, and and they look at them and think, well, well, he's actually there's a player in there, you know, look at his goals, look at his assists, his shots per ninety minutes, they're all fantastic, but ultimately it's one of these ones where it proves you need the stats alongside the eyes because major areas that you need to be successful in the Scottish game like work rate, endeavour, he just was nowhere near it and it was just obvious when you watched them play and that, that was a huge factor. No, you, listen, you, you, you can only judge people with your own eyes and you know, some people might think I'm, I'm wrong, that's absolutely fine, the game's all about, all about opinions but I mean, I watched Carlos Pena on several occasions and just didn't see it. I mean, there was maybe one, maybe one game, maybe home to Aberdeen, away to St. Johnson. You maybe thought, no, he might, he might just have something. What I would say for the guy is, he, he's clearly got an eye for goal. I mean, when the ball's yeah. in and around the penalty box, he's got a, he's got a real instinct. You no, know, he put the, he put the ball in the back of the net, which for a midfielder is a great attribute to have. But I just don't. I think. Listen, I'm not. I'm not decrying scoring goals. It's the hardest thing. It's the hardest thing to do in football. But when you literally have no other responsibility in the pitch in terms of tracking back, you no know, falling runners, um, you're not creating chances. You're not putting a shift in. I mean, I I look back at Pena's time and the goals that he scored to me were literally all that he did. I mean, I don't remember him creating chances. I don't remember him. Or putting a putting a real shift in in any of the games, um, so you're right. Stats will say, oh, no, five goals, twelve games. Guy guy looks decent, but anybody that watched him in a Rangers shirt will know that he was never going to he was never going to cut it. Uh, it was a disastrous signing from Pedro Cachinha in terms of the in terms of the transfer fee and the wages and the fact that they've now had to offload him so soon. Is, is proof of that, but as I say, 
just getting them away, getting them back to Mexico, I think can only be a good thing for Rangers. I think there'll be a few Rangers fans watching out for Cruz Azul's results and with their fingers crossed and hoping that Pedro Cascina has a bit more success and luck than he did at Ibrox because obviously if it doesn't work out, Carlos Peña could be back at Ibrox next season. It will be interesting to watch. I mean, never will we be, we be so interested in Mexican <laughs> football, but I mean, we will want to watch. But I will be keen to see clips of... Peña if he does anything back in Mexico and listen he might because he's played for the Mexico national team if you'd have watched YouTube before he signed for Rangers some of the clips on there you'd have thought god this guy's this guy's got something but maybe just maybe just that league that climate no no that environment maybe that suits him better we don't know he was never put up for interview we never really knew how how Pena had settled in Glasgow, how he felt about being in Scotland, how he felt about the Scottish game. We've got, we've, we've got no idea what he thought of Scottish football. Or, or we've got no idea to, you know, how he thought he'd, he'd adapted to it. So maybe going back there will help him. And it'll certainly be interesting to see how, how Pena and Kishinia, for that matter, get on over there. Scott, last question, because I know that you'll want to get away and uh, have a beer or enjoy the Florida sunshine. Um, but... Bruno Alves is one we discussed last time you were on the pod and you felt that he would still be at Ibrox at the end of the transfer window. Now, there's been a lot of chat since then, including talk of a move to Qatar for the Portuguese defender. Do you still feel that he's liable to stay or do you think the goalposts have moved in that regard over the last week or so? I think I think it's now, it's now looking pretty doubtful, Johnny, that, that he will be here beyond January because... Like you say, there's just there's too much kind of chat. There's too many whispers now that you no, know, there's a bit of interest in Bruno Alves, and um, you no, know, maybe you no, know, maybe his time might be up already at Rangers. Personally, I wouldn't like to see it. I think, I think you no, know, if Rangers can get Bruno Alves fit and playing well, then he'd be an asset to any team, you no, know, particularly in in Scottish football. I don't think he's shown. The real Bruno Alves in the games so far this season, I don't think injuries have, have helped him. Um, but I think there has been certain games when you've looked at him and thought, you know, that the Aberdeen game at Ibrox, uh, I think, yeah, it was the one that the one that sticks out um, where he played. He played really well. Um, it'll be interesting. I, I just wonder with Alves, you no, know, and the, the relationship with, with Graham Murty. I mean, I think back to. When Murty took over in, in temporary charge, and I think his first game was at Murrayfield against Hearts, and he got that win. And Alves was suspended, but the following game was against Hamilton at Ibrooks, and Alves was expected to go straight back in, and he wasn't. He was left on the bench, and Murty tried to kind of no. Murty was asked about it, no, how that chat went, and telling Alves that he wasn't playing. And he tried to really kind of play it down and say, you know, Bruno was, was great about it. He's a consummate professional and all that. I just wonder whether, you no know, seeds were kind of planted there in Alves's head that, you no, know, maybe with Kashinia gone and, and this new guy in charge, um, that he might not be around. He might not be around for long. Um, and he hasn't really kicked on for there. As I say, he was good the Aberdeen game. Starts the Celtic game, picks up another injury. He's not here. He's not going to be here for the for the duration of this trip to America. And as you say, there are now rumours that you know that the other clubs uh, other clubs are looking at. And, and why wouldn't he? I mean, his name 
Uh, he, he's still a big name. Uh, he's still in the Portugal squad. He wants to be at that that World Cup, even if it is just as a as a squad member um, in the summer. So I think there are there are now you'd have to say there are now major doubts as to whether whether Alves will be here beyond January. But if he is still at Rangers, I don't necessarily think that would be a, a bad thing. It's not like Peña where. Well, I feel it's beneficial to the club to, to get, get him out and get him off the, the wage bill. I don't see Alves like that. I think he can be, or he could be an asset if he's fit and he's happy. But he's certainly no fit and we're not sure at the minute whether he's whether he's altogether happy. Yeah, I mean, it seems obvious that he, that he would potentially want to move away. You know, he was brought in to, to work with a manager that's now gone to play in central defence with a, a player in Cardoso that looks to be moved on as well. So... The goalposts have completely changed since since he signed that contract. And bigger picture, Rangers seem to be moving towards a more British orientated signing policy. And you see that with uh, Goss coming in and Jamie Murphy. And you know the talk about if Alves goes out, then his replacement will in fact be Russell Martin, who's a Scotland international. So they seem to be going down that route. There does. I mean, uh, Graham Murphy's. I think Graham Murty's maybe reluctant to to kind of not to get down that that route publicly and say no that that's that's what he wants. But I think reading between the lines, yeah, that's that's probably the route Graham Murty wants to get down with Rangers. Whether he's in charge for six months or six years, I think he wants to. I think it's fair to say he wants a British core in the in the team. Um, I think it's fair to say. You know, with the addition of of Murphy, that uh, he's quite happy for you no know, boys that have that have supported Rangers and who know the club. Go back to the, the even the the Jimmy Nicol appointment as well. So yeah, I think from the outside looking in, it, it looks as though that's the that's the route Murphy wants to go down. He's brought in guys like Young McCrory, David Bates. He's brought Danny Wilson back for the you no know, from from out in the cold. Um, and these guys, these guys obviously have played, have played well. There's been a couple of blips results-wise under Murty, but in the big games, you know, the Aberdeen games, the Hibs game, the Celtic game, they've, you know, these these boys have uh, have stood up. Um, so yeah, I think I think you're right. That's that's the route he wants to take. And listen, a lot of people will agree with that. A lot of people will, will look back at you know, when Pedro Cachinha came in and think. No, why? Why did Cachinha want to go down, go down the route of bringing in you no know, the Portuguese and the Mexican, uh, the Mexican players? It seemed a more logic, seemed a more logical move. You no, know, with Rangers just trying to establish themselves again in the Premiership and get a bit closer to, a bit closer to Celtic. That you no, know, you would want to be more solid to get that kind of British core in, and then, then kind of pepper it with. Uh, with with foreign talent, you know, the likes of Morelos or or Candias or, or or whoever, um, and I think that's that's what Murty's doing now. He's trying to he's trying to kind of rejig the squad. He's brought in two British players. He's brought a couple of young Scottish boys through. Um, so as we say, it'll be interesting to see whether a guy like Alves and Cardozo for that for that matter will be will be part of that going forward. Okay, Scott, that's all from us today. Thanks for joining us all the way from sunny Florida. To continue the debate, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Johnny R. McFarlane and Scott is at Scott McDermott 8. If you want to get the pod as soon as it becomes available, please subscribe on any good podcasting platform like iTunes or Audio Boom. 
Thanks for listening.